0: What's going on? And welcome to Ask Father Josh, the podcast where I get to hear you out, listen to your heart, pray with whatever your questions are, and hopefully respond in a way that is helpful for you in your walk toward becoming the saint that God has destined for you to become in your walk toward eternity. Uh, Here's how the show goes. You will shoot me three to five questions, and these questions can range from Catholic morality, social justice, prayer, relationship with God relationships with co-workers, family and friends, pretty much anything under the sun we can talk about. I and mean, whenever you send me these questions on these different topics, I will really spend a lot of time praying with them and studying the church's teachings on them and then try to help you apply the principles that I will share with you in the podcast to the particular situations that you find yourself in in the midst of, of the messiness of your life and my life. Because let's just be clear and let's be frank, all of our lives are not Really clean there. There's a lot of mess. And, and hopefully, I can help you navigate how to encounter Jesus in the midst of that mess and become the saint that you're called to be and help your community become the saints that God desires them to be as well. If you're a first time listener, I want to invite you to shoot me your questions uh, at Ask Father Josh. That's Ask FR Josh at AscensionPress.com. As well as uh, if you want to give me feedback or comment on today's episode or, or follow ups to some of the questions that you might be listening to, again, ask Father Josh at ascensionpress.com and I'll get back to you on the show as soon as I can. Today's show, we're going to discuss uh, three topics. We're going to discuss what do we do whenever we experience an unwanted divorce, we're also going to jump into uh, experiencing ongoing struggles with serious sins and fears about hell because of those those sins and committing those sins and also uh, how do we deal with God whenever we're mad at him because of perceived unanswered prayers Uh, so that's gonna be today's topics and I hope that they're helpful to you and to your community here's the deal though if the way I respond it's not helpful to you or to your community I want to give you the freedom to reject what I say I am not perfect I am not infallible. I am a broken, imperfect priest. And if I'm right, then take what I'm saying, chew on it, and allow it to stretch your heart and to help you to grow. If what I say is not helpful to you in growing in holiness, then freedom. You can reject whatever it is. Cool? That's how we're going to do this. All right. Before we get jumping into those topics, let's, uh, let's, let's dive into a glory story. Today's glory story was inspired by a recent visit that I I had to a Carmelite monastery. Uh, At my parish, we have a pastoral council, pastoral council. Some people say pastoral, other people say pastoral. I don't know what it is. But anyways, our pastoral council... We, we went away to go pray. There's about 12 people on my council, and so we went to Covington, Louisiana to spend a day in prayer and discernment. just about where the parish has been this past year. My, my parish is our Lady of the Holy Rosary, uh, what worked really well, what could have worked better, uh, what challenges did we run into, and then what are our dreams uh, for the future. And so to get away, we went to a Benedictine monastery, but before we went to the monastery, we stopped by a small Carmelite convent, and these are... Cloistered nuns who actually have adopted my my parish and they've been praying for for my people for a while now. So when we got there, it reminded me reminded me of a story that happened years ago. Years ago, when I was in seminary, I met these nuns and they are just beautiful, holy, real sweet sisters. And I went up to one of them, the mother superior, and I said, "Mother, I I would never ask you to give me a relic. Like that's just not how I how I operate. I would never ask for that. However," if you want to give me a relic of St. Therese, first class relic of St. Therese, which I'm sure you have, I would never say no. I would not deny you the opportunity of giving me that gift. And she kind of smiled at me and giggled and laughed or whatever. And then that was it. Well, then I got an email from her about a week later. She said, hey, Josh, I want to invite you to come to the convent. I have something for you. And so I didn't know what she had for me. So I drove over to the convent and she pulled out a relic of St. Therese. It was a piece of St. Therese's hair that her community had since a year after Therese passed away because the sisters just knew that Therese was special and that she was an intentional disciple of Jesus and that she was definitely going to be a canonized saint one day. And so because she lived a canonizable life, they, they made that assumption, and they were right. She's she's one of the most um awesome saints that we have in our church today. And so she said, listen, we've had this, this relic of St. Therese since— a year after she she passed away, and we want to give it to you. But here's the deal. If you ever leave seminary, you got to give it back. Um, but if you stay the, the course and become a priest, it's yours forever. And I was like, okay, great. And so I was so excited to finally have a relic of my own. A lot of the seminarians had relics. I never had a relic up to that point in my life. And so instead of putting the relic in a place that was worthy of veneration, that could help me grow closer to Jesus, I would carry the relic with me everywhere I went. And so I literally had the relic for no more than a week. And y'all, check this out. I lost it. I lost this relic that these nuns had for over like a hundred something years. I lost it in a week. And so I was so ashamed that I lost this relic. I didn't want to tell anybody because I knew the seminarians would just flip out. So I kept it to myself and And I was looking for the relic, and I couldn't find it anywhere, and I just assumed, well, you know what, maybe somebody needed it more than I did. Well, then the nuns emailed me that week, and they said, hey, Josh, just checking in. How's the, I mean, how's St. Therese doing? And so I was thinking, what do I say? Do I tell the nuns, oh, by the way, that relic that y'all have had in your community for 100 years, I lost? So, I just emailed back a very simple response, and I said, hey, sisters, thanks for checking in. St. Therese is doing fine. In Christ, Josh. Now, check this out. The reason I said that was because I was not lying. St. Therese is in heaven. I mean, she's experiencing a beatific vision. She is, she's fine. She's bougiezy right now. She ain't got nothing to worry about, all right? She's dripping in that holy sauce of the Holy Spirit right now. So I was golden in that response. However, and I just didn't tell the, the whole reality of what they were probably asking, which is about the relic. So another week goes by and one of the seminarians finds out that I lost the relic. And of course he lost his mind. Like I knew he would. And he said, well, we're going to find it. And I said, dude, it's been a couple weeks. There's no way we're not finding it. Like the relic is gone. And so he said, well, when's the last time you had it? And I said, you know what? I think I remember the last time that I know I had it was the day we went out to this pizza joint called Mellow Mushroom. That's the pizza joint, not something else. And so we get went to this restaurant at, that's like the last time I remember having the relic on me. So he said, well, I'm calling. So he called Mellow Mushroom Restaurant, and he began to describe this thing that he was missing, that he was hoping that they may be found. He said, hey, look, I, uh, my name's uh, Brad at this time. He was a seminary's father, Brad. Now he said, my name's Brad, and uh, I, I'm looking for something that I lost. It's, um, it is this it's a piece of hair of uh, a nun who's been dead for 100-something years, and I was hoping that you have this in a black bag. And as he's describing the relic, I began to think, man, as Catholics, we really do sound weird. If you think about it, let's just be honest. I mean, I love my relics, too. But if you describe a relic to somebody who's non-Catholic, it does sound kind of crazy. So anyways, I'm thinking, man, they probably think he's out of his mind. We got to catch this. He described the seat, the booth we were sitting in, and they called him back and they found the relic. Their relic was still in the same booth it was in a couple weeks before. So I don't know how God's grace did that. I don't know if you put like an invisible force fit over it like Magneto from X-Men or if you just made it invisible like that lady from Fantastic Four, Invisible Woman. That's, that's a creative name, Stanley. Check that out. Why would you give her the name Invisible Woman? Like, really? Like, you can't come up with something better than that? Like Jean Grey or, you know, but at the same time, they call Storm Storm. And Storm makes storms happen. So I guess... I guess he wasn't really creative, Stan Lee. Shout out to you. I do love your movies, though. The Marvel movies, Avengers, are awesome. But, I mean, those are some like, pretty generic names. Anyways, that's my, my ADD kicking in. I'm just going all over the place. So, so they call him back. They find the relic, and he goes to pick it up. Well, when he goes to pick it up, he goes to kiss the relic, and guess what she smelled like? Roses. She smelled like roses, kind of like that Outcast song, Roses. I forgot how it goes, but anyways, she smelled like roses. And he came to my room, surprised me, said, guess what? We got St. Therese, the relic. And so, of course, I lost my mind, and he told me the story. And then he said, you didn't tell me that she smelled like like roses. And I said, well, that's because she doesn't smell like roses. Uh, He said, yes, she does. And so I smelled her, and guess what I smelled? Pizza grease. (laughs) she was clearly not on speaking terms with me at that moment. So anyways, long story short, after that experience, I never carried a relic on my person. Again, I always placed a relic in a place of veneration that would help me to pray and be inspired and motivated by that particular saint in my relationship with Jesus Christ. And I just wanted to share that glory story. So if you have any relics, make sure that you put them in a place where they can be venerated for the sake of helping you grow closer to the Savior Jesus, and don't don't lose them like I did. Because you know I also lost another one shortly after that. I lost Maria Greta too. So shout out to Maria Greta wherever you at. I never got her back. So somebody has her. I hope and pray. Uh, but again, she's in heaven, so she she don't care. Anyways, that's that. That's my glory story. It's uh, it's all about the relics, relics, relics. That's all. Okay, before we jump into today's topics, we have a couple of feedback uh, shout-outs from some of our listeners. So this is from Michael from Kansas. Again, he says, thank you very much for answering my question about faith in the workplace. Since I wrote my question, I actually got into a pretty intense theological discussion with my coworkers. What you said about Catholic education not being the best for them really hit the nail on the head. As I know, the schools they went to focused on contemporary theology and teachings, not of the church. I'm friends with all of them. I did my best to listen to them. I listened for the majority of the time, but I also presented the Catholic Church's teachings. But none of my coworkers wanted to find middle ground on really tough topics such as premarital sex, female priests, <laughs> moral relativism, and other topics. I'm sorry, Michael. You just you went there with them. Huh? <laughs> I'm so sorry for laughing. It's just kind of, I can imagine, uh, the conversation, uh, with your co-workers. So what should I do if they refuse to find that middle ground and listen to the church's teachings with an open mind? All right, Michael, that's a a great question. Again, um, so here's, here's the deal. I, I think, uh, rules without relationship will always lead to rebellion. And so, I I think the first thing to to focus on is what is their relationship like with Jesus Christ? Because if we don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ, the rules of the church will not and do not make sense. I know whenever I was growing up and I went to religious education or PSR or CCD or whatever you call it, where where you're from, Uh, we got taught a lot of the rules, but it was not emphasized for us to have a personal relationship with Jesus. And because I didn't know Jesus, I didn't care about the rules. So again, rules without relationship will always lead to rebellion. Rules that flow from a relationship will make sense and they will lead to us becoming saints. Um, But first I want to, I guess, encourage you to be in relationship with your coworkers and instead of focusing on the church's teaching so much, how about fo- you focus those conversations on your relationship with Christ and the joy that you get from that relationship with Christ? Because I-, I found, for me at least, once I fell in love with Jesus, I began to care about the rules that he cared about, that he gave us, in the scriptures that he gave us, the church. But before I knew Jesus and before I was an intentional disciple of Christ, I could care less about the rules of the church. So they might be in that same situation. So I would encourage you to not argue with them whenever they bring up certain church teachings that they disagree with. Just say, you know what, that's one way of looking at it. Now, by you saying that's one way of looking at it, you're not saying that you agree with them. You're just saying that's one way. It's clearly a wrong way if it goes against Uh, the church that Jesus Christ founded but you could just say that and you could reorient the conversation back to Jesus so that they can encounter him in a deeper way through you and then he in his will way in time he'll begin to to show them the beauty of all the church's teachings which believe me you every single teaching that's an official teaching from the church it's so beautiful and so awesome but apart from Christ they do not make sense so encourage you to pray and the fast for them without trying to see the expectation, like w- without trying to see the fruit, I mean, uh, so just pray and fast for them, but don't hold on to expectations of you being the one to see their conversion. God doesn't call us to see the fruit of our prayers and fasting, but he does invite us to pray and to fast, continue to study your faith, uh, but also continue to, to really reorient the conversation back to Jesus, so that Jesus Christ can be the one to share with them the joy of the gospel. Uh, Also, speaking of the joy of the gospel, be joyful. Whenever you're with them, show them your joy. Again, I can't tell you how fruitful being a joyful witness can be. One of my good friends who uh, was not Catholic growing up, uh, but... Uh, was a disciple of Jesus for many years, then kind of fell off the bandwagon and uh, began to live a life that just was not fulfilling him. He was living a life indulging and in doing whatever he wanted, whenever he wanted, with whomever he wanted, as long as it made him feel good. And he did that for years, and he was so miserable inside. And at this point, I was living out chastity and celibacy, and I was uh, growing in my relationship with the Lord, and I was really taking advantage of the sacraments. And I, I entered seminary formation. And our, our lives really began to go in two different directions. And then one day we, but we would always stay in touch. And he always saw the joy I had from living in a state of grace. And I think it was like six or seven years into me living this state of grace lifestyle. Then my buddy came up to me and he said, hey, I want to become Catholic. And I said, well, why? Because, I mean, this dude had already experienced the Eucharist in profound ways and all this other stuff like that. But like chose not to become Catholic then when we were younger. And he said, because of your joy. He said, I see your joy, and I want that. And I know it's coming from your relationship with Christ, and I know it's coming from the Eucharist, and I want that now. And he completely surrendered to Jesus, and he surrendered to the church that Jesus Christ founded because, remember, Jesus Christ and the church became one uh, on the cross. So we can never underestimate joy. So I would to encourage you, to, Michael, to keep being joyful, to pray, to fast, and to reorient the conversation to Jesus while at the same time you are on the side or studying your faith so that you can be prepared to um, share with them the gift of the church, but really, really point them to relationship with Christ so Christ can be the one to teach them because he will, he's real, he's living, he's alive and he will speak to people. That's what I do in my ministry a lot, brother. I just point people to Jesus and I can't tell you how many people have accepted the most difficult teachings of the church all because of their relationship with Jesus. So other feedback came from Alyssa. Alyssa said this, I just wanted to send a quick thank you to add to your sea of emails. I'm sure Regarding your new podcast, I just finished listening to my first episode and cannot wait to tune in for more. I'm a 21 year old college student in Pennsylvania, Scranton, if you're familiar with the office. And I'm so grateful for your emphasis on God's mercy. Yes, He is super merciful uh, because more recently my faith has simply just been being hard on myself. Uh, Thank you for your witness and example. God bless you, Alyssa. Your ministry will be in my prayers and I will be sharing your podcast with my friends. I don't have many who are practicing Catholics, so thanks for the easy evangelization opportunity and family. Keep up the good work. God bless you, Alyssa. I'm going to offer up one of my liturgy hours for you today. All right, so that's the feedback. Now let's jump into the show. Our first question, uh, it comes from a, a person that we're just going to call a desperate husband. Uh, he writes this. He says, my wife and I have been married for 27 years. Both raised Catholic. We have four children. Oldest is 25. The youngest is seven. She has been telling me for three years that I need to let her go and give her a divorce. After our last child, I did not want to have any more children. I was um, 43 at the time. Relationships started souring after that. She says that she fell out of love with me. Uh, I've made many changes of my own free will to improve our relationship. It wasn't good enough. She filed for divorce, and it will be over in about 30 days. I didn't want this to happen. What are my obligations to her if many years from now I meet someone that, that wants me to love her and, I, and, I, and love me as well? Thank you for your ministry in this form. God bless you, man. Ah, God bless you. So I have been sitting with your question for probably about a week now, probably about a week, and I've been praying for you, specifically interceding for you and, and for your wife. God bless you, brother. So... I'm just going to share with you some of the things that came up in my prayer. First, I was drawn to the Old Testament, to the prophet Hosea, who who married Gomer. And Gomer was his wife, but she kept um, leaving him. She kept cheating on him with other idols. Uh, And and, and Hosea remained faithful to praying for her. He remained faithful to, um, to her, even though she was unfaithful to him. Likewise, that's how Jesus Christ is with us, the church. Uh, St. Paul writes in Ephesians, Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church. And Christ is completely faithful to the church, even whenever we, the church, are not faithful to him. And so when St. Paul invites husbands to love their wives, your wife, as Christ loved the church, he's inviting you to, to be crucified, to die to yourself for her salvation, for her sanctification, to purify her, to make her holy. And in reality, I mean, speaking from my own experience with my relationship with Jesus, there's been so many times where, Unfortunately, I've walked away from from the Lord and I've hurt him, yet he never left me. He continued to to give of himself and pour himself out for me. And so that's the kind of love that I, I think, my brother, that the Lord is inviting you to manifest for your wife, to just continue to pour yourself out in prayers and in fasting and offering up sacrifices for her sanctification. Remember, the purpose of marriage is to be a bridge to get your spouse to heaven. It's a bridge. And so um, I, I don't know what that's going to look like in your relationship with her. But as long as it's presumed that your marriage was a sacrament, uh, there's an obligation to imitate Christ and to, to pray fast and sacrifice for her, her conversion of heart and her sanctification for her to become a saint. Now, what would happen if years from now you meet somebody who loves you and wants to marry you and um, you want to marry her? Well, I think the first thing we have to address is um, what Jesus Christ teaches about divorce. It is it's applicable to all of us. If the marriage was indeed a sacrament, which means that at the moment of consent it was uh, an imitation of Christ, a free, total, faithful, and fruitful gift of self. Uh, if it was a sacrament, then unless your your ex spouse passed away, then you're still bound to that sacrament. All right, because Christ, again, would never leave the church, so we can't leave our spouses if indeed the marriage was a sacrament. So if you really do later on in life um, feel like the Lord might be inviting you to discern that you could be called to marriage for someone else, then I would encourage you to look into an annulment. So that you can discern, based on the annulment with the church, whether or not the marriage was sacramental or not. If it was not a sacrament, then you can be free to marry someone else, provided they, as well, aren't married and divorced without an annulment, if it indeed was a real marriage, um, if it indeed wasn't a sacrament for them also. Uh, if if in the case, though, that your marriage was sacramental, then and your wife is still living, then the, the Lord would just be inviting you to live a life of sacrifice for, for the season, Um, to to trust that he will provide the graces that you need to get to heaven, to be holy, um, and to to be a saint. He'll give give you the graces. He would never call you to something that he won't give you the graces to live out. So, gosh, but brother, man, I just want you to know that you are being prayed for right now um, by me, for sure. And and I want to invite our our listeners to also pray for this man and for his wife and for their kids as well. Uh, Divorce is painful, man. It's so painful. And, um, man, I just... I want you to know that you're loved. Uh, Also, another thing that came up in prayer, just if this is not if this doesn't speak to you, then I invite you to reject it. But there 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 might be um, some inadequacy that you might feel in your heart um, as like, you know, I I didn't do good enough job or whatever. That's not of the Lord. That's not the voice of that's not the voice of Jesus. That's, that's giving you those words. That's the voice of the enemy, the voice of the tempter. And so I just want to encourage you to ignore that voice and the trust that the Father loves you so much. You are his beloved son, not for what you've done or what you've um, not done, but you're just his son because he loves you, man. He loves you. By virtue of your baptism, you become a beloved son of the Father. That is your identity. And so we cannot get our identity from uh, being successful. I put that in quotes right now, Air quotes in our vocations or whatever. It's just about who we are. And so you are so loved by heaven, by all of heaven. You are so loved by the father. And I want to invite you to reorient your attention to this, that love right now. And let the father fill you up in John 17, which I talk about on probably almost every single podcast. uh, Another part of that, that prayer, priestly prayer of Jesus that I love is that Jesus says to the father, they are your gift to me. That's who you are, man. You are, you are a gift from God, the father to Jesus. Uh, So, hold on to that truth of your identity, man. That is who you really are. You are a gift of the Father. And even if sometimes people don't recognize that gift, Jesus does. Whoa, Jesus recognizes that you are a gift. He calls you a gift. That's your identity, man. So whenever the world rejects us, hold on to that truth of Jesus and the gift that you are to him. So, oh man, yeah. So that's my, that is my advice to you, my brother. Um, So, What do you guys think? Do you have any additional advice for uh, this brother of ours who does not um, want the divorce but is experiencing divorce because his wife wants it? If you do, hit me up at at askfatherjoshatascensionpress.com or if you just want to hit me up with some prayers that you're saying for him so he can know that he is being prayed for by the body of Christ, that would be awesome. All right, we're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, we're going to dive into our final two questions.
1: the Bible is something we as Catholics know we should do, but, let's be honest, it can be kind of complicated. Even though it's a complete story, the Bible isn't really one book. It's more like a library, with dozens of books and dozens of genres. There's poetry, prophecy, and prose. There are apocalypses and revelations, historical accounts and allegories. No wonder it's difficult to keep a finger on the story of God's love and plan of salvation for his people thread that keeps all of it together. If you're wishing there was a simple guide to help you tie all of this together, then you're just like Jeff Cavins and Tim Gray. That's why they wrote the book, Walking with God. Walking with God is a single book that traces the story that ties the Bible together. It helps you to understand the big picture of the Bible. If you're looking to read more of the Bible, Walking with God will help you do it with confidence, peace, And clarity. You can find out more and order Walking with God on AscensionPress.com or on Amazon.
0: And we're back. Just a quick reminder you can send me your questions at AskFatherJosh at AscensionPress.com. If you're feeling fancy, record a voice note, send it to me as well. We can play it on a future show. Also, please do not forget to rate and review us on iTunes. That way, other people can find out about the show. If it's helpful for you, it could potentially be helpful for them as well. Our, our next question comes from Aaron, and this is not an A-Aron Aaron. This is an E-R-I-N Aaron. So Aaron says this. Aaron writes, "If even as a practicing Catholic, uh, I struggle some with some serious vices that have led me to fall into mortal sin. Uh, the these moments of fall, uh, though through the grace of God, are getting less and less. Praise God. Are punctuated." by a panicked rush to find the sacrament of reconciliation. I'm scared that even if I'm truly sorry, if I die before absolution, I will still go to hell. Does that fear come from the opposer? How can we tell the difference between guilt that helps us to grow and guilt meant to shame and scare us away from God's reach? Uh, That is a phenomenal question, Aaron. And I can't tell you how many of our brothers and sisters in our community also have that same that same question. So here's the deal. First of all, what does the enemy's voice sound like? Enemy's voice sounds like this. He is a tempter who would tempt us with lies, right? He would tempt us with lies. The first lie that he tells us before we give into a serious sin is something like this. Like, you know what? You might as well commit it. It's not that big of a deal. God doesn't really care." He does care. So then we commit the sin. Then after we commit the sin, the devil comes back and the enemy's voice tempts us with an accusation about us. And he accuses us of being just a disgusting human being. Who do you think you are? You've experienced God's love. You've experienced God's mercy. You go to church on the weekends. You did this particular serious sin. Who do you think you are? You don't belong in the church. You don't belong in ministry. What's wrong with you? Now we're feeling pretty bad about ourselves, and we resolve, you know what? I'm going to go to confession, though. I know I feel feel pretty bad right now, but I'm going to go to the sacrament. Well, now the enemy's voice does this. He tempts us with discouragement. You can't go back to the sacrament of reconciliation. That priest has already heard that same sin from you over and over again. He's just going to think that you're wasting his time. In fact, you are wasting his time. Don't go to confession. He discourages us. The enemy lies to us and tempts us with accusations, with discouragements, with lies about our identity, about who we are and whose we are. So God would never do that. God encourages us. God does not discourage us. God does not accuse us. God calls us to a greater dignity, but he does not do that. So anytime you, you hear those, those voices from the enemy, trust that that is not coming from the Lord, all right? So if you fall in a serious sin, though, as First John describes in the New Testament, it, there's a difference between venial sins and deadly sins. It's, it's biblical. It's in First John. I remember one time I was at this, this Christian community, and the pastor said, uh, is all sin equal? And everybody said, yeah. And I remember thinking, oh, actually, not necessarily. I mean, according to the Bible, it's not the case. But in First John, he describes that. There are some sins that are deadly. We call that mortal sin, deadly. And he says there are other sins that are non-deadly. We call those venial sins. In order for something to be mortal, you have to have grave matter, full knowledge and free will right, To, to do that which is going to be mortal. And so if you commit a mortal sin and you don't go to confession, are you going to hell? Well, I mean, potentially. But what if you intend to go to confession? Like you're saying you do, Aaron. Well, I would say as long as you have the intention to go to confession as soon as you can get there, then the same rule that we apply for baptism will be applied to the sacrament of reconciliation, which is this. Uh, in the early church, a lot of believers, obviously, St. Peter writes in First Peter chapter 3 that baptism saves us. God told the disciples that that's what he wanted them to go out and do is to baptize people in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. So they go out and baptize, and baptism is a sacrament that Christ saves us through the sacrament, right? We're born again through baptism. Well, there are a lot of believers who— plan on getting baptized, and on the way to baptism, so that they had a desire for baptism, they were martyred, they were killed, or they died from a heart attack. Well, as long as you have the desire right, for baptism, um, then then th- that would be good enough. So, as long as you have the intention, and like, it's not just like, okay, I plan on going to confession one in the future, but like you clearly know, like all right, my church has confessions on Saturdays at 3 o'clock. If you intend to go to confession and you died on Thursday, but you were going to go to confession, then then God's mercy would be certainly applied to you, and you would not Uh, you would not go to hell. So we should definitely presume God's mercy with your intention to go to confession. If you did commit a sin, though, serious sin, and you were like, I don't care about the sacrament of reconciliation, I know I understand it, but I just don't want to do it, uh, then I would say, don't want to be you. <laughs> now, I'd pray for you to seriously have a conversion. So, hopefully that was helpful to you, Aaron. Uh, don't listen to the voice of the enemy. Listen to God's voice, which is divine mercy. He has a gift to offer you, and just receive that gift over and over again as many times as you need it. Uh, so, I mean, I go to confession once a week, and I'm, I'm not scrupulous, right? I, I just do it because I want to remain as close to Jesus and His grace and His mercy and His love as I can. So, Our finer question is about anger with God. Uh, This person uh, who she writes that she's military wife, that's her name. So military wife, 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 wife. That reminds me of that song. Let's get married. Ah, See, first of all, I know these so called players wouldn't tell you this. But I'm going to be real and say what's on my heart. I hope that's a okay song. It's uh, from my childhood. And I honestly don't remember the lyrics, but it's all about getting married. So uh, we pray it's a good song. If it's not, hashtag my bad. So is it a sin to be angry with God? Backstory. My husband is active duty military and we are used to moving around frequently, but my parents are aging. My children are getting to a sensitive age in school where they need extended family and stability opportunities in my husband's career have presented themselves that would put us close to family and also stabilize our children during high school. I've been praying novenas, nonstop, rosaries, and Thanksgiving prayers. Each time we get close to having our prayers answered, the opportunity is taken away, and we're left empty-handed and disappointed. My faith is shaken. I just don't understand. I pray that Jesus will show me his way. I pray he will help me have faith in his plan, but I become just angry and depressed. I've even briefly stopped going to mass because I would sit there and get so angry that my prayers have gone unanswered. I know I've sinned by missing mass. True. But what about being angry with God? Do I need to confess this too? Yep. Uh, please keep my family in your prayers that we may see Jesus's way through the pain of disappointment. Okay. Military wife. Great question. I totally understand where you're coming from. Uh, so few, a few things to, to, to discuss uh, with you. First of all, uh, so did God not answer your prayers? God answers all of our prayers. Uh, sometimes though, his answer is, is yes. So as you prayed it, he's like, yeah, that's great. You're, you're on, on the ball for that which is best for you to become a saint. But other times he answers our prayers by saying no, because God knows what's best for us more than we do. Like I remember whenever I was, and this is a very simple uh, example, but whenever I was uh, in high school, there was a girl who had a big crush on, and I literally used to go to bed praying at night that God would let me date her. Like, I would straight up pray, like, God, please, like, I know she would be so good for me. Like, I'll be good to her and everything like that. And, and God clearly said, no, right, I'm not going to answer that prayer. I'm not going to change her heart and make her like you. And but I thought that that was what was best for me at that time. Now, fast forward many years later, I'm a grown man now. I'm a priest. 30 years old. You know, she's a grown woman. I've seen her recently, and I said, thank you, Jesus. (laughs) Because she's just, like, totally different now as a person. She's a totally different person now, and her and I would never be happy together if he would have said, yes, I'm going to change her and make her like you, right? Nah, that wouldn't have worked out. So he clearly said no. Other times God says yes, but not now. So Sometimes he says your prayer is good, but it's not good for you right now. God cares about us becoming saints. We don't see the whole whole picture. Always he is the current chapter we're living in. And so I want you to be aware, I want to invite you to just to be aware of the reality that even though you can see the chapter you're in, he sees the whole book and he knows what's best for you. And so he's not going to fulfill your prayer if it's not going to help you and your family get to heaven. So that's the first thing to be aware of is is God only desires that which is best for all of us. Second thing that I would encourage you to, to ponder on is this, this phrase from St. Francis de Sales is teaching, and basically he taught years ago that, that we should never really complain because we all deserve hell. Uh, and so the fact that God gives us salvation, the gift of salvation, uh, everything that happens that's, that's, that's not hell is actually a gift. So if you get like a flat tire or you jam your finger in the door or you drop your cell phone, like praise God. Because what we deserve for having offended God and our walk toward eternity, what we deserve is hell. But because he's so merciful, he gives us salvation. And so everything is really a gift at the end of the day. So I want to also encourage you to see things from the perspective of eternity. From the perspective of eternity, God who is infinitely good can never do wrong. So it would never be like just for us to be angry with God. At the same time, because he wants to be in a real relationship with us, he wants for you to bring that anger to him, bring it to the light so that he can expose the truth to your heart. Hopefully this podcast might be exposing some of that truth right now. If you keep it in the dark, then it's, it can't be dealt with. But that which you expose to him in prayer, he can deal with. So keep exposing the emotion. The emotion of anger is not a sin. You can't Um, control how you feel. The Catechism says I think something about forgiveness, like we can't control the way we feel whenever someone's offended us, though God has never offended you because he's infinitely good. But whenever we feel an offense, we can't control our feelings. So bring those feelings to God, but just recognize that it it can never be a just thing to be angry with God, because God is all good. He's infinitely good. But he does want us to express, okay, God, I'm feeling angry right now. I know that you're an easy target to direct this anger toward, um, but I just want you to be aware of it. So So if you persist in not going to mass because of your emotion of anger, yeah, that's definitely something that you should bring to the sacrament of reconciliation and get God's mercy. He wants to give it to you. He's not going to be stingy with it. He is super generous. Uh, So trust in that. Another thing just to be aware of is as I was praying for you, the vice of envy kind of came up in my prayer. Uh, Envy is where we might see other people and. Uh, we sk- we, we feel that like sting in our heart. Like, oh man, like, why are they getting this and not me? I don't want them to have, it. like, I don't have to have it. But the fact that these other families are getting to settle down, man, I'm feeling this envy in my heart. So I really encourage you to be aware of envy that might be an attack from the enemy against you right now. I might be off. And if I'm off, just let me know, Father Josh, you're totally wrong. Envy is not my vice, but I, I, I just in prayer, as I a prayed for you, envy kept coming up as something that you need to fight against either in the future or, or now. Um, How do you fight against envy? Litany of gratitude. Focus on the gifts that God has given you and dwell on that. Dwell on the gifts. Dwell on the gifts. Thank him for the gifts and pray for other people who are experiencing graces that you're not experiencing right now, that you can't perceive right now, for them to continue to grow in those graces and their walk toward eternity. So I hope that was helpful. Uh, I pray it was. And I am praying for you as well. I, I can't imagine just the stress that you're going through right now. Uh, but I do want you to know that that there are gifts in every single move that you're making. There are so many gifts in store for you and for your family in your walk toward Jesus. So take your eyes maybe off of the stuff that you're, that you're going through and just reorient them to Jesus, to the cross of Jesus. And he will give you the grace to persevere. He will give your family the graces that they need to also persevere in growth during the season of your life and their lives. And again, uh, please don't stop going to Mass because of perceived offenses. Just keep immersing yourself, leaning into Jesus. When it's difficult, when he's stretching us, lean in and trust that he is answering every single one of your prayers in the way that is best for you, even if you can't see it right now. My, my parents used to do this to me all the time. When I was a kid, I would ask for things and they wouldn't let me have certain things that I just knew would be good for me. But in reality, now that I look back, I, I recognize that, that their no's quite often were, were so good for me and for my, my family. Uh, So, uh, God's knows our perceived knows are are definitely what's best for you in your walk toward becoming the saint that he desires you to be and that I think you're going to be as well, my sister. So, that brings us to the end of today's show. Regardless of what your circumstances are, here are some things that I think everyone can take from today's questions when it comes uh, to divorce. A universal point that we can draw is this, is that God is calling us to love with the love of Christ love the way Christ loves people. And so even whenever people let us down, he's inviting us to to be crucified with him on that cross for the other person's sanctification, for their salvation. And so no matter what people have done to us, we're not necessarily all called to to reconcile with everybody, to reestablish mutual trust, because sometimes people are like snakes and they will bite over and over again, but we are called to pray and to fast for people's conversions. A universal point that can be drawn from fear of hell is that uh, most of the saints that preceded us in their walk toward eternity had dominant vices. They had dominant sins that they struggled with, uh, but they found uh, freedom either in this life or in purgatory. Uh, But the reason why they found that freedom either in this life or in purgatory was because they focused on the mercy of God more than on, on their brokenness. So I want to encourage you to focus on God's mercy, and he will draw you to be a saint. And finally, a universal point that can be drawn from unanswered prayers are that God's plans as the word of God says are far greater than ours God's plans God's plans hey God's plans is that how it goes God's plans? wait God, God's plans I honestly God's plans no God's plans I don't know how that Drake sound goes, man you know I, I, I don't listen to too much music that's a lie uh, I, I don't want guys. God oh God's plan God's plan that's it God's plan. Yeah. Okay, so God's plan is awesome. Let's pray real quick. God, we trust in your plan. We trust in you more than we trust in ourselves. And one thing that we know is that you see the entire story of our life and that you will give us the grace that we need if we keep our eyes fixed on you to be with the Blessed Mother and to be with all the saints and our guardian angels in the kingdom of heaven. So, We're going to turn to you. We're going to look to you, and we're going to walk with you in experiencing the love that you have in store for us that is not of this world. Because you know what, God? We trust that we were not created for this world. We were made for something far greater than the greatest pleasures that can come from this world, than the things that we think will make us happy. Lord, we know that you want us to be happy, but that happiness ultimately is only found in holiness, and holiness is only found in doing your will and your way in your time, and so we surrender, Lord. We pray for an outpouring of your spirit to give us the grace to be docile to your will, to just surrender to you the way that John the Baptist surrendered to you whenever he baptized you in the Jordan River, to surrender to you the way that the Blessed Mother Mary surrendered whenever she gave her fiat, to surrender the way that so many of the the holy saints who have preceded us in our walk to our eternity were die and just surrendered. Even when it was difficult, even whenever it didn't make sense, Lord, they surrendered. And so we just ask right now for the grace to straight up surrender to you. To you. To you and only to you. Our glory be to the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit as it was in the beginning is now and will be forever. Amen. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Alright, so that's today's show. Don't forget to rate us and review us on iTunes so more people can find out about the gift of the show and shoot me your questions, your follow-ups, your critiques, your comments to me at askfatherjosh at ascensionpress.com. I will be praying for you and I can't wait to be with you next week. God bless. Deuces.